0: You are Locked On Browns. Your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Good evening everybody, Locked On Browns, episode 144. Uh congratulations first and foremost to the University of Alabama. Uh you know, I mean these, these poor guys down there, there's tough the fans, you know, I feel so bad for him. Uh but luckily, you know, hey, a national championship. You know, it's been a dry spell for them. They almost went like the calendar year or so without one so uh Congratulations, uh, Georgia. Hell of an effort. Uh, We'll we'll talk about that a little bit. Guys, sorry for the delay. Uh, Last night, uh, some fourth-grade math homework. Uh, It's really become a little bit of a problem here. It's a pain in the butt in uh, Common Core, things of that nature. I cannot stand. uh, And some rounding off. Look, the whole joy of math is you get yourself to an answer. Rounding off sucks. It's a pain in my ass. But, look, we're here to talk some ball tonight. we got some good stuff coming this week. got Pete Smith here tonight. Uh, the boys are going to come back tomorrow night. We're going to do another fan speak offseason, uh, you know, full GM mode. You guys seem to love those episodes. Uh, Steve Palazzo from PFS is going to be coming in Thursday night. We are all systems that go here, uh, you know, as we head on forth through the offseason. Obviously, you know, playoffs, we're down now to eight teams. Uh, you know, maybe we'll get to that. We'll get to that probably Friday night, break down those games a little bit. Uh, but here, first and foremost, uh, Pete, it's been a couple of weeks. Happy New Year, my man. How's everything going, buddy?
0: Oh, it's going great. I'm, you know, I'm confident. You know, you you keep your you keep your uh, nose to the grindstone. You'll get that fourth grade math done. Uh, yeah,
1: I was good at math, but the problem is now is it's it's taught differently. And I can always get you the answer, but now it's about oh well, you didn't show your work this way. And look, you know, I love my daughter's teachers, the good friends of ours. But my God, please, people, do this yourselves. I don't want to have to do this. I just want to check it over, make sure she got the right answer. Uh, first thing I do want to get into. Uh, national championship last night, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Alabama, Georgia, I'm a little, you know, a little heartbroken. I, I've kind of grown a fondness, I guess, you know, with my team being out of it as early as they were this year with, uh, with the Georgia team, tough loss last night, Pete. Uh, and we talked about it before we just went on here, uh, kind of went away from the bread and butter there in the fourth quarter. And that's kind of how you should be closing out a game of that nature. Now,
0: well, whether it's been college football playoffs uh, or the NFL playoffs, the teams that have been losing have been getting away from who they are. And, you know, Sonny Michelle is your dude, clearly, and you don't give him the ball in the fourth quarter, just like Kareem Hunt didn't see the ball in the second half for the Chiefs. Both teams go home unhappy, and the teams that stuck to who they are uh, even if Alabama did it with different players, uh, going to a lot of freshmen. I mean, he has a lot of stones. Nick Saban has a lot of stones for being willing to go that route, uh, but he, they stuck to being Alabama as opposed to trying to get away from that and uh, trying, to, trying to change who they were sort of on the fly in the last game.
1: I think part of it with Alabama was, and, and I think what it came down to in the locker room was, you know, Nick and everybody sat together and they said, look, we're not going to win this game with Jalen Hurts playing quarterback. What have we got to lose by playing the freshman? Then I think it kind of escalated in, uh, well, you want to know what? Why don't we put some of the guys out there that he's comfortable with? It escalated from there. Um, I do want to give Nick Saban credit. Yeah, I always, you know, everybody always wants to bash on Alabama, and it's five-star after five-star after five-star. But you know what? It took a lot of stones to make that move last night and to just say, hey, I'm handing this game over, uh, you know, to my true freshman. You know, the lefty out there, I mean, you know, kind of looked a little bit like Sunshine Ronnie Bass, if you will. But as far as teams in the playoffs and getting – look – you got there for a reason, you know. Dance with the girl you brought to the dance. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, stick with who you are, uh, you know maybe you'll find better success that way. You, you know, never want to get too cute in the bigger situations. Uh, what we're gonna get here tonight, and uh, we'll probably condense this down, maybe just to the and the side of the ball. Uh, There's gonna be anywhere, you know, 108 million, 120 million. It's gonna be a boatload of cap space for this team. We're gonna see if maybe we can start narrowing down some names on maybe who we're gonna spend it to. We got all the time in the world to talk draft. But, uh, you know, free agency is probably going to be a big aspect of this as well. You know, whether or not those guys can be lured, uh, that's going to be a different story. Uh, you, know, it's, you know, you're know, you going to have this. Uh, that parade last weekend certainly didn't help. Uh, it just, you know, again, enhanced the 0-16 a little bit. Uh, the players were here a little bit aggravated. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, Pete, I know you've talked a little bit on that. Uh, what I, I think maybe, you know, the intention and trying to have a little fun with something, I get that idea. But I don't think, in the long run, they realized what it was going to do to the guys who won sixteen and some rookies and some younger players who were, you know, here in Cleveland for next three, four seasons. So,
0: if you want a really good sort of insight into that, I would recommend listening to the podcast that uh, Joe Thomas and Andrew Hawkins started. Uh, sort of, you know, what what goes into sort of having to talk yourself into playing every week in that. It, it, and somebody brought this up to me, and I thought it was a pretty good comparison. It is is a lot like with people kneeling. I think the message got sort of lost somewhere, and and maybe there wasn't a good enough job sort of explaining it. But the the idea that this was supposed to be fans versus ownership, and the you know which I you know I'm, I'm fine with. I you know beyond just simply voting with your dollar as a consumer, um, this was another way to sort of. If you want to say embarrassed, you want to say, you know, scream out to pay attention to me, whatever the, you know, 3,000, 5,000, whatever, by whatever count you want of all these people coming out and saying, you know, we, whether you deserve better, whether you demand better, whether it's, you're an embarrassment, whatever, the, the fear is that. And and you sort of saw this little bit, particularly aimed at like Emmanuel Ogba and Danny Shelton, is is it went from fan versus owner to an owner versus fan to player versus fan and fan versus player, which is not where anyone wants this to go. And and you saw sort of a little bit of a trick went to a really bad deal where you, know, you have a player who's been here like twenty minutes, basically. I mean, in Emmanuel Ogba, I mean he's been here two years. Uh, and he says something, basically inter- internalizing this whole uh, protest or whatever, as did Danny Sheldon, saying that you know, in in some ways, this protest is a reflection on us uh, as players. And and given some of the things that were being said, I guess I thought the signs were very direct, but some of the things were said, I, I could see where. A player would take that personally. I, I could see where players would would be you know, unhappy about that. But then you have fans basically who, who respond to this by saying, well, then win a game. As if Emmanuel Ogba didn't play great himself or as if Emmanuel Ogba is supposed to go out and win a game by himself. That's just not how the sport works. This isn't basketball where you can go out and score 40 by yourself and, and, and play both ends of the floor and all that. Uh, he had a great season, broke his foot, and it just didn't work out that way. So that's an unfortunate dynamic, and I think that's something that everybody sort of wants to avoid. And I wish it's on some level – and again, I, I, this was always going to be a difficult challenge – that the messaging would have been clear. And I, the guy I thought who did a really good job with this is Charles Bentley, who sort of voiced this out and said, this isn't about you. But if the people who were organizing the, 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 the rally and all this other stuff basically said, look, this is not about the 53 guys – the players don't pick the team. This is about the ownership. This predates the guys who are on the field. The 0-16 is just sort of the pinnacle of the frustration as opposed to we don't like the players on this team. I think uh, as much, I think a lot of fans, as much as they are unhappy with 0-16, can really gravitate towards some of these players who they can appreciate as being good or promising or can go the right way. They just need more of them.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing, and look, and I can understand, look, if my name was associated to a part of an 0-16 thing as a player, and, you know, you looked at it, it was like, you know, these people were kind of, you know, celebratory, mocking it, you know, everyone who showed up for it, yeah, you know, I'm chapped, you know, I'm pretty pissed off, you know, so I can understand it, and especially a guy like Agba, I can understand it from his standpoint, Uh, you know, obviously a guy in his second year who just absolutely flourished, uh at the time was, you know, and I've said this multiple times, he was playing as the defensive MVP probably of that defense, you know, so look, I can understand it from both ways, but I think the thing is, is it was never going to affect ownership because, you know, 3,800, 4,200, it's not going to change. It's not going to change the life of a, you know, a guy who's established as Jimmy Haslam, the guy who is as financially set as him. I don't think it was ever going to hit the mark like they had hoped it was. Um, so, you know, I mean, this stuff, And I, you know, you know, it, you know, I understand there was some good in it. And, you know, I don't want to diminish that because look, you know, a lot of hungry people, a lot of cold people, you know, out in the cold got some food. That's great, but it 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 missed the mark, and that's the tough part. There, uh, we're gonna get in here, start spending a little bit of this money. Uh, Pete, you know, a lot of people want to associate Alex Smith to this situation, and, and my problem is, is you know, and, and I know you're. I'm not giving up a draft pick for a guy to come here. Just for me to turn around and draft another quarterback at one, which everyone assumes is going to happen. I'm gonna have a second year quarterback who'll be 22 years old. I'm gonna not trade I'm not trading draft picks for Alex Smith for the sole purpose of the fact that you know by week eight, I probably don't want him starting anymore. Well I, I think the problem is that people
0: are associating the, the idea of trading with Alex Smith with trading for credibility and I, and I think that's where you can get yourself into trouble you're basically saying to yourself that we are going to make a bad deal to try to make good things happen. And that, that's generally not, you know, the way you want to run business. You, you, you want to do it in a way that you want to make good deals. Um, I don't have a problem with trading for Alex Smith in theory. What I have a problem with is the idea of paying a second round pick for a one year rental of a guy who's going to be coached by Hugh Jackson for for a year. Um, that that's, that's that. That's unacceptable. the The idea that, and the idea that that well, we have we have the Browns have three second round picks. Okay, you have a million dollars. You're not going to pay a hundred thousand dollars for you know a, a fifty thousand dollar car. That's just that's not smart. Just because you have these assets, and this is one of the things I hated when it came to Jimmy Garoppolo, is people would raise the price based on the fact the Browns had stuff like that. There's a you're negotiating based on what the what the price of the asset is. Um, what gets lost in the Kansas City Chiefs thing is that the Chiefs need to move Alex Smith. This is not a we're co- you know the Browns are coming in and trying to pry away something from the, the Chiefs that they would otherwise keep. Uh, and, and John Dorsey gets blamed for for the cap situation that the Chiefs find themselves in. They're four million over. Um, and and to a certain degree, yes, you can. But it's mostly in a question of the decisions of who he chose to kept keep. But the the way the contracts hit, in order to sort of keep these guys and sort of you know ex, extend this window, they had to sign backloaded deals. Otherwise, they were going to have to let guys go, particularly Eric Berry and Justin Houston. So now you're finding yourself. In a situation where you have to get rid of guys, and you can't get rid of Eric Berry because if you trade him, it's like twenty four point seven million dollars of cap, dead cap next year. That's you know that's un- unmovable. Uh, just in Houston, I think it's twelve point nine million of dead cap next year. So you're stuck with these guys. The one guy you can move is Alex Smith, who's set to make twenty point six million next year, would only cost three point six in dead cap. To get 17 million in cap room, immediately putting in the black and potentially allowing them to keep a player or maybe add a player uh, for you know, and, and the writing was on the wall. They knew this was coming. That's why they made the move for Mahomes. That's you know, they they planned ahead. So while people are like, well, Dorsey's kind of an idiot in terms of the cap. I mean, I I, I can see where you're going with that. Uh, and certainly, you know, you don't want to put yourself in a situation where it's like that. But this was going to happen to the Chiefs. But if you're telling me I can have Alex Smith for like a 3rd and a 5th, um I I you can at least talk me into that. Now, a lot of that has to be through the lens of how do we view the draft in the quarterback position? Are you trading for Alex Smith because you need a starter next year and potentially after that? Or are you trading because you are you trying to get a veteran quarterback because you need somebody credible uh, while you, the guy you get is ultimately going to take that starting job, whether it be during this season or next season. Nothing about an Alex Smith trade should be thought of in, the, in terms of year two, year three, year four. If that's the case, you blew it on the first overall pick of the draft uh, and, and whatever quarterback you evaluated, and, and that's a problem. So I, I'm with you in terms of I, I think it's insane to try to trade for credibility Uh, But I certainly – there's a price I would pay for Alex Smith, but I, I, I think the market is largely invented. I think some of this is trying to get buyers in there. Arizona has been thrown out there. Arizona doesn't even have a coach. Uh, Buffalo's been thrown out there because they have picks. I mean, maybe they could do it. Jacksonville's been thrown out there because of Bortles. I I mean, I understand these things, but the only true link I sort of see that makes sense are either Cleveland or Washington. And if it becomes a situation where somebody wants to pay a second-round pick or, God forbid, more than that, for a guy who's only going to be there one year after Garoppolo went for a second-round pick, and I understand that there are extenuating circumstances, God bless him. I'm going to go in a different direction.
1: Yeah, uh, no, I agree with you there, and and it is it is Smith. I'm drafting a quarterback at one. I've got a 22 year old quarterback who's going to be right behind him. In, you know, in the 2018 season, I don't get it. Uh, and like I said, you know, maybe third and fifth. You know, which wouldn't rule out the Eagles' pick, which should, is pro- most likely going to end up in the 60s. Uh, you know, they could lose this week, putting it at like 58, 59, something of that nature. But you know, uh, those first four picks, I'm making them. They're not going anywhere. So that, that's not going to be an issue as far as I'm concerned. Uh, guys, it is playoff time. I will focus. You know, uh, you know, prompt you guys to listen to the other shows on the network. Uh, of the A team still remaining, Locked On Patriots. My buddy Mark Schofield, Mark's show is so much, so in depth. It's not just Patriots. Uh, it's football stuff that you know anybody would you know want to know. If you want to learn about the game, get smarter. Mark Schofield is one of my quarterback guys. That's the guy you got to go to. Check out Locked On Patriots. You know, he breaks it down. He breaks it down very well. It's simple. It's easy to understand. He uh, was sight site inside the pylon. They do great work over there. By all means, give Mark a follow and check out Locked On Patriots. All right. Uh, it's actually going to be a pretty decent quarterback group. You know, you don't normally get a large group. You know, me personally, I'm looking more of a placeholder, somebody who can maybe start a few games, but I have young bucks that are probably going to be behind and ready to go. Uh, you know, got the list up here. You know, obviously, you know, right off the bat, you know, do you want to sign – and just solve this quarterback problem now. Do you want somebody you've got for the next three, four years? Pete, Kirk Cousins. He, I mean, I'd be stunned. He's going to hit the market. Um, I, I, look, I, I think so. The,
0: the the fear that a lot of people have is that part of how John Dorsey is going to try to make the Browns competitive now is by, by throwing away a bunch of picks to sort of get veterans and old up the Browns real quick to get guys who can, are sort of proven so they can compete right away. I think more likely the Browns are going to try to make a big play uh, in terms of money, and it would be sort of somebody like Kirk Cousins. Now, personally, I wouldn't. Uh, I, I certainly understand why he's attractive in the fact that he's his numbers look good. He's obviously you know, a, a borderline... Pro Bowl, top 10, sometimes quarterback. What uh, the issue is for me is Kirk Cousins is 30. Everybody on your roster is basically like 23, 24. Um, so you're not, to me, I'd rather get them on the same schedule, and that's where I think drafting a quarterback makes more sense. The other part of that is is Kirk Cousins' numbers look great, but when you actually watch him in like critical situations or games down the stretch – he just has a habit of, of having that clunker game or throwing that you know season costing interception and and Seventeen
1: versus the Giants.
0: Right. And and we can talk about how Washington's had so much turnover and they've had injuries and this that and the other thing but you know Kirk Cousins won as many has won as many playoff games as I have to this point and and that doesn't mean he can't be great and and that's why I think he certainly becomes attractive because if you're trying to talk yourself into it, you're going, Kirk Cousins has been pretty good, and then you add in the offensive line, and you add in Joku and, and Gordon and Coleman and all these other things, and you go, oh, well, this could work. I, I certainly understand that, but, but again, I'd rather have them on the same schedule, so I would rather not go get Kirk Cousins, let him go to a place like Jacksonville – uh, where, you know, that makes all the sense in the world for them. They're, you know, as much as Bortles is, is you know, terrible, uh, if they add Kirk Cousins, it's not uh, a question of are we going to the Super Bowl? It's, it's how, are we going to win it and how many? Mm. Uh, that certainly makes more, more sense from a business standpoint for, for Jacksonville. It makes more sense for Kirk Cousins individual part and that's the other thing I I, I would think Kirk Cousins has a whole team of people who's in in place to basically make sure he he doesn't do anything insane enough like go to Cleveland and the, the other part of that is does Kirk Cousins want to go through a build even if you think it's like the Browns could be competitive pretty quickly do you really want to go through what a build would be and then all of a sudden you're, you're, you're talking about Kirk Cousins is already 33, 34 years old, and now you're trying to be super competitive where he can go to other teams and be competitive now. So for me, I wouldn't, but I certainly understand why fans or, or why Dorsey or these others will at least want to take that shot.
1: Well, and the other thing is, is you know, how are you going to sell Kirk Cousins? You know, I, I'm sure Washington is going to put offers on the table. So how are you going to sell him on a situation that is worse than the situation he is in? So, you know, that's going to be the tough point there. You know, Jets, obviously, maybe a more appealing option. Arizona could be. But like you said, nobody knows. There's not a quarterback on the roster. They don't have a head coach. You know, obviously a lot to be determined there. So that puts us here when you look at the free agent list. We're getting basically now down to, you know, the placeholder types. Uh, look, Teddy Bridgewater, you know, like the guy and all, but I mean from everything you hear is I don't think anybody's got confidence that Teddy Bridgewater you're gonna be able to put him behind center and say even though he's twenty five years old, oh you know, gonna be twenty-six. I'm getting years out of him. I don't think people believe anything that the injury is gonna give you a prolonged, you know, playing time for Teddy Bridgewater. So then you get into the placeholder types, you get into the Tom Savage types, you get into the Chase Daniel types, uh, you know, you get into the TJ Yates, the Mark Sanchez can one of these guys come here and play the placeholder? You know, of the list of the free agent guys, You know, is there a name that you look at and say, you know, and I don't know what? I mean, I like him as a de facto QB coach. Uh,
0: yeah, I like Chase Daniel. I, I mean, uh, he's uh, currently in with back with the Saints, back behind Drew Brees. But this was what he was asked to do initially with Philadelphia before ultimately, went you know, won out the job and, and became that guy. But, you know, I, I don't need – like, again, this this ultimately comes down to do you believe the Browns want uh, either – you're either in the Josh Rosen and or Baker Mayfield camp versus <laughs> Darnold being the guy where you potentially need somebody who can play a year or, you know, longer than that. Now, you and I are sort of in the we, – we'd like the guy – both of us feel – that uh, either Rosen or Mayfield, however you want to shake out, can play right now. Um, and, and as a result, to me, I'd rather have Chase Daniel. Um, he can start games if need be, but ultimately, he's he's just a very credible backup. And the Browns, because of the cap room they have, they can give him a nice little short quickie deal where they can give him some you know stupid amount of money that doesn't really mean anything, where it's like you know twelve million a year or something, even though he's only going to be the backup. He gets a nice chunk of change. You have a credible uh, stopgap slash veteran if, if you need him to play a little bit longer or an injury happens or whatever. But he's also not a guy who's going to cause problems. He's proven that that, that he's, at, he's at least professional. Even though he wasn't happy with the way Philadelphia worked out and sort of got his way out of there, it wasn't a case where he was you know throwing a fit and going James Harrison on everything he sort of handled it the right way. So that would be the guy I'd sort of look for um, unless he, you know, unless he, the, the, the caveat to that is if Drew Brees decides he's done and and he thinks there's a, a, a way for him to be a starter in New Orleans. But to me, he's the best option uh, for, that, for that type of role. Yeah, I do
1: agree. And uh, this is the one guy that, you know, it seems everybody, we all keep circling back to. He's the guy that gets the asterisk. Um, I think Drew Brees now, I, I think with these two running backs, I think it's kind of he realizes what he's got there. You know, he's got the outside weapons, and it it, it it limits the amount of throws he has to make. The deep throws saves the arm at his age. You've got Kamara, you've got Ingram. It's it, it's funny actually that you see the Saints and now it's almost like less talk of Drew Brees and it's all the talk about these two you know these two running backs and what they're doing. But Chase Daniel and like you said, even if you know you don't even have to go twelve million. But you, you tell Chase Chase Daniel, come here, help us get where we need to be with these guys. Look, it's $7 million per, you know, maybe it's two years with an option for three. Look, Chase Daniel is building towards an offensive coordinator, head coaching type of life. That's probably where he's headed. But, you know, he's certainly making his money. And like you said, the Philly thing was just weird. I think they just realized, you know what, I don't think we have enough here to compete. So we might as well go ahead and play the young quarterback. And you saw the way it came around in year two. I'll take my L on Carson Wentz. He showed a lot this year. God bless. I know my, my Eagles followers like to bug me on that one, but guys, Chase Daniel—that is probably the 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 guy that has to be—you know—that's fo- the name you want to follow during the free agent process. Uh, we're going to get to the running backs here, Pete, it's it's an interesting group. Obviously, you know, believe, uh, everyone's with the man. thinks obviously Isaiah Crowell's out the door, uh, and I, you can't blame the guy. You know, it's it's been a, you know the years here. It's it's been some rough football. Uh, you know, played. Played you know pretty well this year. I gave him some flack early on in the year. I thought he had you know played played better as the year went on. Um, I think he's ag- he was aggravated just by the lack of use. I mean, all the, I'm sure the entire running back crew was. But you get into a, it, it. Here's one. In, now now Carlos Hyde is a name I do find a little bit interesting. If he does make it out of San Fran, maybe he doesn't. But that's a name I find interesting out of this group of free agent running backs.
0: So a lot's going to depend on if. If Hugh Jackson hires an offensive coordinator, if he can con somebody into taking this job for a year, and <laughs> how, you know how they want to sort of do the offense if they want to change things up. But you know, clearly, um, they need somebody who can hammer between the tackles, and Isaiah Rowell could do that. But they'd always ask him to do zone stuff, which he couldn't really do, uh, and it just it would lead to more problems. When he was just asked, told, "You go here." Uh, he, he would do okay. I mean, it, it, it's a shame how badly he was mishandled, and, and even, you know, he started off the year so poorly. But at the, after the bye week, he was at 5.4 yards per carry, and his his carries stayed a stagnant 17 the entire year. Uh, he went up two yards per carry for, after the bye week, and he got no more carries. Um, it, Carlos Hyde makes sense in the standpoint of uh, – He's a power guy. He'll go between the tackles. Uh, you know, it, it becomes, I think, in that situation, maybe a truer 50-50 split with him and Duke Johnson. That's sort of how it would always end up working out with him and Crowell, but it was always danced around. In the end, I think Duke Johnson only got really 10 touches. But, you know, if Duke Johnson's going to be an outside sort of quick zone guy, certainly uh, hide. Could make some sense. Uh, he's got some credibility, I suppose. You know, but ultimately, I think uh, the smarter play here is is just wait, wait till April when there's eight thousand running backs uh, out there that, that somebody you can grab at any round and potentially start right out of the gate.
1: Yeah, I think with this class, and I agree with you here. I mean, there's some names that are interesting. Uh, no, Lydion Bell, uh, he's not going to come to Cleveland. Uh, you know, Frank Gore, uh, yeah, you're not gonna spend money on a thirty-four-year-old running back. As far as the rest, you know, Jeremy Hill, uh, you're not gonna touch him with a ten foot pole. Arlene's Dwar- Darkwa, uh, the guy's six foot one, he runs like he's seven foot five. Look go for the you know, go for the youth. It's a young man's position. It's it's been that way for a long time. Look at the success, look at the guys who, you know, look at the top running backs in the league. Age is what matters here. So you know, and I'm even I'm fine with the way this class is shaping up, running back wise. If you want to double dip, by all means, go ahead and double dip. If you can find some way to appease Isaiah Crowell and say, "Look, we're going to use you correctly," I don't see it's going to happen. But you know, I'm I'm for it. But I think Isaiah Crowell's got his eyes on getting the heck out of Cleveland as fast as he possibly can.
0: And he should. He should. He absolutely should. I and the the team that keeps standing out to me that could use Isaiah Crowell right now is Pittsburgh. I, I think he would be a great fit with the Steelers, but, you know, we'll see. I, I, I don't think he can get out of Cleveland fast enough. The one thing I will say is don't, don't be surprised when there's some extended flirtation with Le'Veon Bell, and it's purely because Le'Veon Bell sees the cap space and can use it to get a deal he wants elsewhere. Uh, I won't be surprised if this gets into a situation where, you know, Browns fans are sitting there thinking, talking themselves into a real shot at Le'Veon Bell, only to get left at the altar.
1: I hear you. Uh, one thing I, I will say: New York Giants for Isaiah Crowell. I think with Gettleman back in the building, uh, you know, he's you know, longtime Giant guy. Uh, they, you know, the fact that they love to run the ball to set up the play action, it, it, it could be New York Giants could be a team to watch there. Now, this is one feed here. Now, wide receiver, it does get a little interesting here. Um, obviously, you know, Devontae Adams re-signed up in Green Bay. That one hurts. And one thing before I let you let you go uh, talk on this. Is for me, is you know, with Coleman and his injury risks, and obviously Josh Gordon, everybody knows what's going on there. The problem is, is you know, you can go ahead and you know, obviously Josh can be gone forever. Corey Coleman, you could go, you know, serve another six to seven weeks, you know, where he's out with you know, an injury. I don't know if I want to turn to rookie wide receivers, you know, probably not first round guys, not guys who are ready to contribute at that level in a rookie season. So now the veteran market brings you some names. I mean, obviously a Sammy Watkins, obviously an Allen Robinson, you know, Marquise Lee, maybe you're getting one or the other. Paul Richards is out of Seattle, nice deep threat. Uh, guys, I don't want to bring Terrell Breyer back. Uh, I caught some heat about that. No, I'm good on the Terrell Pryor thing. Jordan Matthews uh, seemed to get better as a slot receiver. At, you know, when Philly put him there before his year in Buffalo, which is kind of a little bit of a loss. Uh, wide receiver market brings some interesting names. Dante Moncrief, another one. But uh, Pete. Any way you're spending any money here?
0: So I'm a huge free agent curmudgeon anyway, especially. With yes, the, you
1: are. With you the way are. The, what, what are you going to do with this money? Take it with you?
0: Well, the, the, here's the thing. If the Bronze were in a position to compete, like I'd be far more. In general, I would love nothing more than to pay for a veteran quarterback and older defensive linemen who just want to get after the quarterback. That would be the dream. Uh,. I, I just, with with the young team, I'm inclined to sort of answer the answer the answer the questions in the draft and sort of work from there. Uh, having said that, uh, I'm with you on Terrell Pryor. I don't understand. Like, there are people who still blame the front office for what was clearly a gigantic miscalculation by Pryor and Drew Rosenhaus. Uh, they're mad that the, that uh, that they didn't give Terrell Pryor four years, $32 million uh, when Terrell Pryor did nothing in Washington and yes, I understand Kenny Britt was bad he's gone, but you can't sit there and say, well, if only we'd given that deal to Terrell Pryor it doesn't make any sense Uh, in addition to the fact that that uh, you know, he left on bad terms. All the, the reason he's interested in the reunion is because the, this is one of the only places he's got a shot of going. The, you, know, this, you know, this is necessity. You know, suddenly they look pretty good when you need a job. Um, so I get that. But if, if, if I was to throw free agent money around, uh I would be, like, I like like Marquise Lee coming out in the draft. I really like how explosive he is. I don't think he's going to want to come here. Robinson, I think, is going to go somewhere in a short-term prove a deal, and usually those go where there's a quarterback. Uh, I would not be surprised in the least if he went somewhere like Philadelphia for a year to sort of reestablish his value post-ACL. But if I'm going after somebody, the guy who sort of interests me is Dante Moncrief. Um, Huge... Athletic, physical guy had some issues at Ole Miss. Seems to be past them, from what I understand. Um, has had some injury issues, but he's enormous. He's athletic and he's very young. And I don't think he would cost anything. Uh, I think he's like 25, maybe 26.
1: Be 25 going into the season.
0: So if if you want to get somebody who's a veteran that sort of fits the overall flow of where you're going. Because the other guy I really like, I always really liked was Jordan Matthews. I loved him coming out of the draft, but he's a power slot on a team that has, you know, all these big tight ends that do exactly the same thing. So as much as I like him, he's very redundant. I'd rather get the uh, ultimately what I'd love to see the Browns do is is not get caught up in slot versus uh, perimeter guys. I'd rather just get guys that can do all of them, just the way their offense is. Josh Gordon can play inside, he can play outside. Corey Coleman's a guy can play outside, inside, I'd love to just get more of those guys. And to me, Dante Moncrief's sort of in that position where you, you come out and Njoku's and the same way. You can come out, you can put him anywhere on the field, and they can be a threat. Uh, so do I expect him to be a guy who comes in here and catches 70 balls? No. Uh, but it's sort of the one of these low-risk potential. Maybe you get a guy on the come as opposed to – Trying to pay a ton of money, and and this is part of the reason I don't like free agency in general is, it's the ultimate situation where you pay a ton of money, everybody's super excited, and then is what have you done for me, and people are just pissed the entire length of the contract unless they're great, and you're just immediately bummed about it. So I, that's part of the reason. But I, you know, Moncrief strikes me as a low cost, maybe a guy who sort of gives you a little bit of little bit of juice uh, and played already played in the league.
1: And that's the thing. He's somebody that could step up if, you know, if Josh isn't here or if Corey Coleman's, you know, doing his, you know, October hiatus where he's gone. He's somebody, it, 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 you know, it's not going to – he'll be ready for it if it's like, look, you're a 10 target, you know, 10 to 12 target a guy week now. So Dante Moncrief can step into that type of role. Uh, guys, locked on Cavs. Chris Manning does a great job. Isaiah Thomas back. Team starting to, uh, you know, pick it up here. Uh, you know, we got all-star break soon. Uh, please check out Chris Manning, Locked On Cavs. He does a fantastic job. Uh, you know, devoted to the team, to the franchise. Uh, you know, I listen. Uh, actually, I'm surprised, uh, but uh, I'm surprised NBA is not my thing. But Chris does a great job. Locked On Cavs, Chris Manning. Go ahead, and make sure you check that out, Pete. As far as you know, we'll probably just keep this offensive. Like I said, uh, you know, we'll come back to another one defensive side of the ball. Now, you know, tight end, offensive line. I'm not sure if there's much here that you would look to go after, you know, tight end wise, maybe what you're looking for is, you know, the, you know, third tight end, quote unquote, you know, extra offensive lineman. You just want a solid blocker. That's not going to cost you much money. As far as, you know, offensive tackle, the left tackle, that could become a problem if uh, the new podcaster, the guy who likes to do weather on game days, uh, Mr. Joe Thomas decides that maybe this is it. Now that gets interesting.
0: All right. So Joe Thomas, you know, what I would say is based on what he's doing and how he's doing it makes me more confident he's going to be back next year. Yeah,
1: I think he's he's dipping his toes in the water, seeing what he likes to do. But everything about Joe Thomas, I don't think he's walking away from that injury. But go ahead.
0: So because here's the thing. If Joe Thomas wants a job on TV, he could get one tomorrow. He doesn't have to do two pod two podcasts, one of which is through the team he's on. They did the weather stuff. The team is sort of indulging his potential future uh, aspirations on what he wants to do. I think he's and some of this is Joe Thomas is bored, like this. Oh yes, he's bored and 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 he's smart. And a lot of people sort of freaked out at the idea that Joe Thomas suddenly has opinions. If you go back to Deflategate, Joe Thomas did not hold back. Joe Thomas is very much the good soldier, co- company man when it comes to talking about the Browns. But when it comes about other things that aren't this team or when it came to the commissioner, he's not afraid to uh, you know come out and have an opinion. It took him a sort of a while to get comfortable in his own skin and, his, and where he was in his career to do that. But I, I agree. I don't think he's going to go out on injury. I think this is something he can – the other part of this is – both the podcasts he's doing he can schedule he can control where they're at whereas a TV job he doesn't have have necessarily have that ability. So I think you know I think this is something he enjoys doing you know a little bit of a, a dalliance on his part. He's obviously a guy with multiple interests. Having said that, um, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if, if there's some you know nice tackle that you can sign in the offseason. The problem is there are nowhere near enough o- offensive linemen for the NFL. So even you know mediocre offensive line. For God's sake, Breno Giacomini still has a job in the NFL. There, you know there are guys who make a lot of money to suck in the NFL. So it's very hard to believe uh, that you're gonna find a nice veteran offensive tackle and and you know, I hated the pick when it was made. He's never going to be a guy who can deal with speed rushers. Spencer Drango had done way more than I thought he was going to be able to do, has had some really nice games, the Chargers game in particular, I thought he did a great job in. Um, he's okay for what you need him for. And, yes, I agree with you. I think every draft until Joe Thomas does call it quits, you do take a look. You do see if there's a guy that sort of fits up. And, and certainly I would love for them to get somebody – uh, and knowing who Joe Thomas is and the way he is with the players, getting somebody who can benefit from Joe Thomas, you know, a little bit of the coach now uh, that sort of helps build them up into that, uh, you know, life after Joe Thomas. He knows where this is going. He's not afraid to lose his job. He's, you know, he's a guy who's more than happy to sort of pass on his wisdom. So I would, I would love that. Other than that, though, I mean, I see people talking about centers. I see people talking about guard. The Bronx have a lot of guys that aren't bad, uh, you know, that, that may be able to develop. But I mean, Austin Writers a, a pretty decent athlete at center behind JC Treader. There's not a real demand for them to go get something. Now, you know, th- this is a, a thing where if something comes along and there's an opportunity, sure, jump on it. But in general, you know, this is another area where if you address it at all, it should be in the draft.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing, and you and know, what you see with uh, you know, obviously with Joe Thomas. You know, obviously, you know, Miles Garrett, he's willing to work with anybody. I mean, you could be a wide receiver and just sit down and say, Joe, you know, look, you know, I'm having problems with this. You know, I'm having a hard time adjusting with this. I don't know how to meet all the demands. Joe Thomas has shown that he was, you know, he'll take anyone's hand and walk them through the process. Uh, quick, quick, uh, you know, Jack mini story, uh, you know, watching some Jets games, my wife, ah, oh, look at him. He's always there helping his running back up. You know, that's really and no, and me tell my wife, well, if he sustained his block a little bit longer and he didn't get beat like a drum, maybe he wouldn't have to help his running back up off the ground. Maybe he can beat him in the end zone. So you know always playing on Bruno. But yeah, 32 years old and still making NFL money and just, you know, left tackles are not going to fall to you in free agency. If your left tackle is good, it is one of the top positions on NFL roster. They get paid elite money for that reason. Most of the time, if there is a guy with left tackle ability, he's either an injury concern or a team is moved on from from other reasons. That's not something you're going to address through free agency. You know, even if Joe Thomas says he comes back, I wouldn't be stunned if they didn't take one O-line whatsoever. But when you have 12 picks, you can always take some guy that you think, you know, has the traits. He can be groomed into being something. So you look that avenue.
0: Right. Uh, and so, like, tight ends – um. I, I, again this is another draft class where it's loaded but it's becoming harder to find guys who can block but at the same time the NFL is weird about actually paying those so that actually may be an opportunity where somebody's sitting there and you can actually get a nice value and not just necessarily just a blocking tight end just to get a good inline why for some reason there's there's times where guys like that just sort of hang around uh and can can help a team and, and Ben Watson with the Ravens is a good example of a guy who's You know, he's like 53 years old and he's torched the Browns twice, so there may be an opportunity for them to sort of get a nice guy who's not going to cost you a ton. And even if he, you know, even if it is a guy who demands $6 million a year or whatever, who can catch the ball, short passes, move the chains, but also just helps the running game and and gives you a little bit more variation in how you want to run your offense. Who will
1: be available, Mr. Ben Watson, at only 37 years old, as Pete steered him down the wrong path. Guys, like I said, we'll cut this up. We'll probably get to get to the next week. We'll do the defensive side of the ball. Um, maybe some names there that fit a little bit better, obviously, secondary-wise. And you know, Some needs are going to have to be met. When you have this much cap space, obviously you're going to utilize some of it. Uh, Pete, any parting shots before we put a bow on this one, my man?
0: Yeah, I would just point out that as much as much as much cap room as people think the Browns have, they don't actually have that much cap room. In addition to the sort of phantom rollover cap. Emmanuel Ogba is going to cost a lot of money. Danny Shelton, if they want to keep him, is going to cost a lot of money. You know, you've got a lot of guys who are going to suddenly get paid here so- shortly. So certainly I understand why t- people want to spend money, think there's a ton of money. Uh, Brian B- Body Calhoun is not going to play for basically for free forever. So just keep that in mind as much as, you know, it would be nice to be able to get some nice building block players they have to actually pay some of that money to keep the ones they they have found.
1: And you know, as Pete mentioned earlier, you're in a position where you can front load some of these contracts, as opposed to backloading. them. the Alex Smith situation, John Dorsey, you know, this is a position where he's going at it from the opposite angle. So you know, pay these guys now, pay them up front, and then you get in a position where it's easier to unload them if they've been replaced, if they're not giving you the same you know you know performance on Sundays. So you might want to look into that and, you know, maybe get on that and get in front of it, so to speak, that type of thing. Extend thought, Johnson. Extend him. He wants to stay. He said it. Let it, I call him on he, it. Extend him. And the other thing is, is, you know, he wants to get extended. They keep him fresh. He doesn't get the ball as much. So it's a perfect thing. I mean, Duke could play for another 60 years at this rate if you, uh, he sticks around. Guys, Lockdown Browns, episode 144. Pete Smith, uh, you know, obviously, guys, uh, Pete's inching further and further to the 4,000 follower mark. You know, come on, guys. Get on that already, will you? Uh, Pete, appreciate the time. Follow Pete on Twitter. Follow the Locked On Browns account. Follow the personal account at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Guys, Locked On Browns episode 144. We'll be back at it tomorrow with the Fan Speak show. Uh, We got PFF Steve, Steve Palazzo coming on from PFF on Thursday. Probably do a playoff breakdown for Friday. Guys, we're back. Full effect. Thank you so much. Appreciate you all for your time. Have yourself a great night. Go Browns.